broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. My man Keith hit us up on Twitter. Said, I wasn't able to listen to the whole show today, but just tuned in on the app, and the first thing I hear is Q yelling for weeks. For weeks. Funniest thing I heard in a while. Can't imagine what he was yelling about, but it was funny as hell. That's from my man Keith. Keith, thanks for chiming in on the show. We do appreciate you. What I was yelling for weeks. For weeks. What I was yelling about was I was talking about Jalen Carter from Georgia and how if he happened to fall to the Raiders at seven, I'd run the card up myself to Roger uh, Goodell at the commissioner and say, hey, man, uh, this is who the Raiders are picking at seven. Like, I would be that guy because he's so dominant. So we had Cole Kublik from ESPN and SEC Network on around 3.30, and we're talking all things SEC quarterbacks, right? So we're all on the same page. Me and DeMond are good to go. We're on the same page. And all of a sudden, he wants to make a sharp left. Like, GPS is saying, turn right at the light. Turn right at the light. And DeMond's like, you know what? I want to go left. So he went left and decided he's going to ask a question about Jalen Carter. Even though he knows damn well he ain't going to be there at 7. And he knows that that's going to be a tease for me. So he looks at me. See, this is the thing you don't see behind the scenes. He looks at me before he even asks that question. And he's like, Cole, I know we're talking about quarterbacks, but and then all of a sudden his eyes look directly at me. And I was like, really? Really, dude, you're going to go there? And then he went there. So then after Cole hangs up, it was, I mean, it was, it was a good question. And I love what Cole's answer was. And one of the first things Cole said was, I would hate to be against the Raiders if they had, if they had Carter at 300 pounds and all the wiggle he's got lined up next to Max Crosby. That would be incredible. So it was a great answer by Cole, but then when he hangs up and Demond's trying to explain himself, because I'm like, "Really, you went there?" He's like, "Well, I just wanted to, I just wanted to get, uh, you know, confirmation that he was going to be that guy." What was your explanation? You know, he's SEC Network. He's why seen do you change it. your the voice boots, when you give these BS explanations? The boots on the ground, Q. I just want to know why you have to change your voice. Like all of a sudden, you got to get into character to to give a response. Are you saying that I have a voice when I lie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All of a sudden, that's when you know that Demond is full of BS, right? The minute when he all of a sudden switches up into some character voice, you're like, oh, here comes a lie. You know, so that so any lady, Kayla, if you go out there and you date Demond, and all of a sudden you ask her, hey, so uh, where you been? Well, you know, uh, Q maybe. Oh, he's lying. Well, anyway, Paloma's ready. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us now on the phone lines is our good friend from Fox 5 Sports, Paloma Villacana. And Paloma, we thank you so much for your time. Do you ever notice that, though, Paloma, that DeMond's always changing his voice and getting into character all of a sudden? You know, DeMond does a lot of things. He does a lot of different things. And I'm like, hey, you know what? That's cool. That's cool. But, um, you know, you got to be yourself. you got to be yourself. <laughs> We're all different people, and that's what makes us 
us, you know? Yeah, he's different, all right. He's definitely different, Paloma, but he's he's our he's our different, right? <laughs> yep, we like him. We'll keep him. No, we're going to keep him around. I ain't going to let nobody else talk bad about him. I could talk bad about him, but I ain't going to let nobody else talk bad about him. Gee, yeah. thanks. You know how that goes. But, Paloma, I did. I, I got to get into some UNLV conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how was the road trip? I mean, I, you, you tweeted out the picture of where you were at. UNLV was yeah. on the road taking on Utah State. It looked beautiful out there. What was What was being on the road again looking like? start to the conference uh to conference play for for UNLV they've lost a lot of close games you know they've lost five out of their last six games so um it's not fun to go home on on the road with with a team after they lost I've experienced that a lot with UNLV football (laughs) um but you know these these games have been so close and I think that's what hurts more you know these one point two point three point losses um they they just kind of they sting a little bit is what Kevin Kruger is saying. But, I mean, the atmosphere was wild at Utah State last night. I posted a video on Twitter of the student section at Utah State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just have to say, like, just being on the road, like, the, the environment on the road is, is hostile. There's student sections. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, pageantry on the road. Uh, we went to New Mexico, and it was sold out up in New Mexico. So, I had to, like, put out on Twitter, like, man, come on, UNLV. Like, you know, I understand it was the, the Christmas break or whatever, but, um, you know, it's it just kind of like, man, you want to see the Thomas and Mac look like that. I want to see, you know, the, the Cox Pavilion be, be sold out like that. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, the Runner Rebels, <laughs> but a tough start to conference yeah. play, and it just shows you how good – um, the Mountain West is how how good these teams are. Utah State was a really is is a really really good basketball team. Um, they got some of the best shooters in the country on that team. So um, for UNLV to put up a fight last night, um, their freshman Keyshawn Hall, who who thought the freshman would put up um, a team high seventeen points, but yeah, once again UNLV just dropped another close one. So. Um, I, I'll be back at practice soon with them and kind of get the, the mood and, and the feeling of, of how they're feeling heading into Fresno this Saturday. You know, you mentioned uh, the difference since, since they've been playing in conference play, and it hasn't been going as well as it was when they were in the non-con. Is it just a matter of this Mountain West, like you mentioned, is really, really good? Or do you feel like something has changed since they were they started out the season to where they are right now? Yeah, I think – I think every team in the like every game I've watched in in the Mountain West has been like a thriller, like overtime, um, you know, one point, two point, three point loss. Um, you know, every single game has been a, a really, really good game this season. Um, and I talked about you know, you know, just all the transfers. The transfer portal has has made the league really, really good. But I think we saw a confidence that you know the the Red and Rebels are kind of have have lasted in the past couple games. You know, starting off conference play with 10 straight wins and, and 11 and one. And, you know, I think Kevin Kruger's trying to get his guys uh, to get their confidence back. And we saw that. I mean, I saw that at Utah state, uh, just the way they came out and, and fought and on defense, they were scrapping on defense. Keyshawn Gilbert, you know, poking the ball away, stealing the ball away, Luis Rodriguez tipping the ball away. Um, I think they did much better defensively last night against some of the best shooters in the country. Um, and that's that's what I want to see from them is just them playing scrappy on defense and getting back their swag on defense. I think that's what's just been lacking um, when they played Boise and when they played Colorado State. But I mean, every game is going to be a, a fight, a mm-hmm. tight tight game this season, just because yeah, there's so much talent 
in the Mountain West this year. No doubt about it. Again, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And let's say roughness. DeMond's got one for you. First off, I want to hit back a little bit about the student section not being as lively. I mean, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's just I went to school there. If the team's not winning, why would you go to the game? I'm not saying it's an excuse for the So you're a frontrunner is what you're saying. Nah, hey, man, I'm talking about the school in general, <laughs> not me. I was doing play-by-play on those games faithfully while we were losing. <laughs> but I will say this. In the past three games that the Rebels have lost in conference play, they've allowed 11 or more threes to be made. Has Coach Kruger addressed the issue of what it is what the team has lacked when it comes to defending the three-point ball? Yeah, I think that's their biggest struggle right now against Colorado State, against Boise State. Um, against Utah State that first half, Taylor Funk, you know, he hit six threes in the first half. I mean, he was just, you know, lighting it up from deep, 20, dropping 20 first half points. And yeah, I think that's that's just the struggle we've seen from UNLV's defending the three-point line. But also, I just feel like they they took their foot off the gas on defense in the past couple of games. They needed to do a better job defending the three. Um, also, Utah State was just, man, they're, they're, they got some big ballers or a couple guys over seven feet tall. Uh, on that on that team so as soon as the two teams took the court I was like man Utah State is big they got some big guys on there um so you know Fresno State is is on Saturday another another good team but they've lost hopefully UNLV can can step it up on defense defend the three-point line um, and kind of get their swag back on defense uh and come out with a, a much needed win on Saturday against Fresno much needed is is a la- is an understatement because I am getting I'm getting fed up to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, oh well, let's, let's yeah. stop the no bleeding now. Losing. It's not fun, and no one. I mean, even on my show with Kevin Kruger, I mean, it's just like man. I mean, you know, I'd rather be talking about you guys coming out on top, you mm-hmm. know, in, in this close in this close game. So, um, hopefully, they can get the job done on Saturday. Yes, but you mentioned the closed games. When it comes to the, that crunch time, you know, Colorado State was an example of, man, if they could have just, you know, maybe defended the inbound better, not let them roll the ball. When it comes to who's actually on the court in crunch time, do you think that they have the right five out there? Is that still something that should be worked out? Like, who should be, like, that final five on the court for UNLV? Yeah, I think Kevin Kruger's still kind of, you know, figuring out his rotations, figuring out his guys. Um, David Mawaka didn't play a lot last night. Um, you know, EJ Harkless is kind of streaky. He comes out in the second half. Um, but I think EJ Harkless scored like two points and, and was fouled out at Utah State. So um, there was some frustration on that bench last night for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, EJ Harkless only scored two points. David Mawaka wasn't playing that much. Um, and then, you know, you're asking your freshman, Keyshawn Hall, to to uh, step up in the paint and put out his effort out there. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like Kevin Kruger's kind of, you know, messing around with the rotation a little bit, um, trying to figure out, you know, who is out there on the court in those final, uh, you know, seconds, because we've seen the Ren and Rebels make crucial, like, mental mistakes in overtime and, and, and uh, in the final seconds. So they're struggling to, to close out games on top right now. You mentioned the frustrations on on the sidelines last night, and I'm watching the game, and then I'm following along with your Twitter as well to get the updates from, you know, what's going on, and I see that. Uh, Is that a frustration just because the way that the game flow was going, or is that something that you could see as, well, maybe that's a potential problem down the line? Well, Kevin Kruger told me post-game that, you know, it it was just EJ Harkless. You know, he was just upset because, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, he got fouled out, and he wasn't, you know, going to play in the game, but... You know, the coach, like Coach Kruger was being pretty light about the situation. I mean, EJ right. was getting into it with one of the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. And a couple players had to hold him back. 
Um, you know, so, so yeah, when the ball's not bouncing your way, when you're, you're, you're one of five, you know, you know, you're not having a great start to the game. There's definitely some frustration, but EJ Harkless is one of their best players coming from Oklahoma, you know, dropping 20, 22, 23 points in the second half. Um, so if he's not going, if he's not in a rhythm, you know, if he's not dropping 20, 23 points, um, then the running rebels are missing a big piece, uh, of the puzzle for them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm eager to get back in practice and see what kind of like the chemistry and, you know, kind of the mood is um, in practice and, and, you know, see how is are the Runner Rebels going to come out, you know, on top and, and finish the season strong. Or this is a crucial time in the season where it's like, man, you really don't want to splinter right now. You really don't want to, um, you know, keep keep this losing streak going. Right. You want to go the other direction. So. And that starts with, you know, the older guys on the team, the fifth-year seniors, Jordan McCabe, EJ Harkless, um, and, you know, the older guys, Luis Rodriguez. And, and you know, for them to set the tone and, and say, hey, we, we can't we can't splinter right now. Right, exactly. they got to stop the bleeding. They're going to need yeah. the leadership of the, of the uh, you know, the older guys to stop the bleeding. Again, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. So, uh, again, you mentioned this game against Fresno State. This is a big one. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say, well, I think that's the one that they'll definitely get a victory because Fresno State may be down a little bit. Uh, I say the hell with all that, right? When you're on a losing streak, it don't matter what the other team looks like or who they are. Uh, this game is important, Paloma. What has to happen in this game against Fresno State for them to come out on top with that victory? Man, I just need to see them, like, finish finish down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Finish down the stretch. You know, kind of a slow start for, for the Running Rebels. Um, they played they played much more improved at Utah State on, on both ends of the court. Um, but they, they need to finish these games. I feel like the last two minutes or the last, you know, uh, yeah, I want to say the last two minutes – they let the other team score two, three, three threes down the stretch. And it's like, man, you can't have that happen. You go into OT and Isaiah Stevens hits two back-to-back threes. You can't let that happen. So you got to defend the three-point line. You got to finish on top. Um, and, and, you know, you can't dig, uh, you can't put yourself, you know, you can't dig yourself in a hole either. You can't be down 20 points at halftime. Um, so, so yeah, Fresno on Saturday, they've lost three in a row. They're on a losing streak. So UNLV needs to come out on top. Uh, big time on Saturday. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you about a little football because the last time we talked, Coach Odom yeah. was finally going to unveil, you know, the entire staff had the <laughs> little hiccup when offensive coordinator, but now we've got Brennan Marlin yeah. on the staff. So what was the reception like when Coach Odom finally introduced the entire staff that he's aligned? Oh, I mean, I think we've just seen an overall, you know, acceptance of Barry Odom in, in Las Vegas. I mean, his his whole staff visited every single high school on on friday i be- i believe it was so um i know one coach tweeted something out like you know this is the most i've seen unlv football around town in the past three years so i think the high school football community has really accepted barry odom and his his staff um his coordinators were all great guys i mean they're coming from texas virginia tech um and the big texas virginia tech i can't remember where the other one's coming from right now but um, they were all really great guys, really, really nice, really welcoming. Um, and it's the first time I've really spoken to the coordinators. I can't remember with Marcus Arroyo. I mean, I think we interviewed them after practice maybe like once or twice. So, um, you know, if we can talk to the coordinators, if we can talk to the OC, the DC special teams, I mean, that's awesome if we can talk to them a lot. So, 
Um, it, it looks like Las Vegas is loving Barry Odom and all he's doing uh, to to change the program at UNLV football. And it, and it looks like his players like him, too. I mean, everything you're seeing on social media from what the players are posting, it looks like they really like uh, Odom and his new staff. And you tweeted out something that piqued my interest that I just want to bring up on the air. Josh Jacobs' little brother, Isaiah Jacobs, tells me he loves what Barry Odom is building at UNLV and wants a shot to play running back for the Rebels. Do you think that that's any closer now that since a week since you put that tweet out? Yeah, I need to I need to get back with um, Isaiah, Isaiah, Josh's little brother. But, um, you know, Josh's little brother reached out to me um, a while ago, maybe like a few weeks ago. And, and, you know, right after Barry Odom got hired, he was like, hey, Paloma, you know, I, I'm really interested to come to UNLV. You know, I like what Barry Odom's building over there. Um, Isaiah plays running back. He played at Maryland. Um, he's at a junior college right now. Um, and I know he's really trying to get a shot at UNLV with, with Barry Odom and, and his group uh, of guys over there. So um, I know one of one – of I, I can't remember which coach it was. I think it was the running back coach um, recruited Isaiah out of high school. Um, when he was at Missouri. So so hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens with Isaiah. Need to reach back out to him. But um, for, for Josh Jacobs' little brother to to text me and tell me that and, and say, hey, I really like what Barry Odom is building at UNLV, I mean, that's huge. That's, that's huge. That's um, a family who knows what football is all about and knows, um, you know, with Josh and, and his success. So it says a lot about what Barry Odom is building at UNLV. That'd be pretty cool to see Josh Jacobs playing on Sundays and see his brother yeah. playing on Saturdays, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be really cool to see that at Allegiant Stadium. Well, Paloma, fantastic stuff as always. Uh, the Reb Zone, what do you got coming out? Who's going to be on the Reb Zone? Yeah, I mean, we're so busy right now with the Lady Rebels. They're on fire. The Aces uh, just visited them. I think the Lady Rebels are like 17-2 and and like 7-0 and in conference play. So we'll definitely have the Lady Rebels on the Reb Zone. Um, back on the road with the Running Rebels, and then I'm I'm catching up with um, Austin Ajike, um, the linebacker from UNLV, the former linebacker. Um, he just got back from the Hula Bowl, so I'm going to talk to him and um, catch up with him this week. He's training uh, for for the NFL draft and and everything. So Austin will be on my show, um, and yeah, I mean there's 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 a lot going on at UNLV always. So. Um, another packed show this Sunday on the Rep Zone. There you go. Well, we'll be looking for it. You know we do. We always check you. <clears throat> excuse me. Always check you out on Twitter as well, Paloma Villacana, and of course on Fox Five Sports. Thank you so much for your time, Paloma. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, see ya. There she goes, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. Always got a lot of good stuff, and you want to keep up to anything going on with UNLV, always got to follow her and check her out on Twitter at Paloma Villacana, and she's with us here on Wednesdays, either at 3.30 or 4 o'clock. 4.18 is the time. We'll come back, get to some of your calls and a bunch of your texts. We'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. 4.22 is the time. Coming up around 4.30, we'll have cover three NFL news and notes of the day. Go over some Senior Bowl stuff, coaching interviews that are out there. There's a lot of moving and shaking on the coaching front. Got a soundbite from K.J. Wright, former linebacker in the NFL, long time with the Seahawks, one year with the Raiders. Soundbite from the Jim Rome show where he was talking about Derek Carr being sat down and what he thought, what he thought about that. A little soundbite there. Got DeAndre Hopkins' future with the Cardinals to be decided. Got some stuff to get to when it comes to cover three NFL news and notes of the day. But we do have time for your texts and, of course, your calls as well. We always love to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line brought to you by the DLC, 69187, keyword R&R. Jose hit us up on Twitter. 
Four weeks? This is Jose's tweet. Four weeks? Yeah, but it was funny AF and worth it. By the way, Levis sounds like a Josh Allen-type quarterback. I wasn't sure before, but now I wouldn't be mad. Great show as always. Hashtag Raider Nation. You know, I hadn't put the Josh Allen-type comparisons with him until Jose said that on tweet. We're obviously talking about quarterbacks. Raiders are in the market for a quarterback. What do you think of that comparison, Damon? I like it. Also, it goes to show when Cole, when he says, when you meet this guy, you shake his hand. He's got the hand size of a left tackle. You look <laughs> at him, you think maybe he right. plays defensive end. So those are same, some of the things that could also be said about Josh Allen when it comes to the size and the athleticism. And also the hero ball. Because one of the problems with Josh Allen is he's not afraid to try to make the big play, and it almost cost him a playoff game against the Dolphins. So, so if those parallels are there for Will Levis, obviously if, you, if he's going to be Josh Allen, He's going to need that time to develop and not just be a superstar from day one. But that's not a bad comp to have when it comes to an NFL comparison. No, it's not. Ty in uh, Missouri said, I would love to see the Raiders pick up Stetson Bennett as some kind of permanent backup quarterback. Think Chase McDaniels meets Doug Flutie type. All right. Vegas Pete said, you and DeMond are like the odd couple. (laughs) And then he said, is there any advantage to seeing the East-West Shrine players here since it's at our headquarters? Uh, thank you, Vegas Pete. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Dave Ziegler and company don't have to go very far. They can they can go right to Allegiant Stadium, you know, obviously walk right in like the rest of the league can, but, I mean, the, to not have to travel to go and cover these guys and get the intel from, you know, uh, Eric Galco and the other coaches on the staff. And, of course, the Patriots are one of the staffs as well, so they're very familiar with those guys. So they're, they're going to be able to be in communications with them, too. I mean, there's going to be a lot. There's a lot to, to go into it when it comes to scouting players. But to have them in your own backyard, absolutely, that's an advantage. And also, think about this. The NFL, it's a job like any other where it's a big trip. How many people are we actually going to send on that trip? The Raiders right. don't have that problem. Right. They can send the entire scouting staff if they want to, and maybe not just two or three key guys. Guys that might not want to go on that trip are going to be going <laughs> on that trip. Hey, man, I'm going to need you going down to Allegiant, right? I mean, look, we're going to be generating this, this radio show from the East-West Shrine Bowl. Like, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about being at Media Day. I'm excited about the opportunity to talk to some of the players. And it's funny – Last year, when Amani Amani Rogers was there, I remember talking to him. And Steve Cofield on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, was like, oh, that's the former UNLV quarterback. Let's go talk to him. He had a really long, lengthy conversation with him. Uh, I didn't talk to him for that long, but, you know, these guys, like Tyquan Thornton, he mentioned, uh, Eric Galco mentioned when he joined us. I mean, that guy ended up going in the second round. And he was right here playing at Allegiant Stadium and practicing uh, right here in in Las Vegas. And so it's a a nice little showcase, man. And, yeah – this is, the, this is what's interesting to me about this draft, and I know it's not till April, the end of April on, on top of that. I get it. So it's a long time before, now, before that actually happens. But the thing about it is I'm intrigued by this staff having all of the draft picks that they have right now. We knew going into last year's draft, even though it was here in Las Vegas, they didn't have a first or second round pick because of Devontae Adams. Again, I didn't think there was anyone that was there at 24 <laughs> that would have been worth the pick over Devontae Adams. I'm very happy with what they did, the, the move they made to go get Devontae Adams. Wouldn't change it at all, so I'm okay with that. But now this year, knowing that they have so many draft picks, so much draft capital, I'm interested to see what this staff can do with it. That's going to be a fun storyline to follow because now, like last year, when I went down to the area where the NFL Network guys were at and you know all the draft guru guys, and I was talking to them, I had to always say, well, I know the Raiders don't pick till round three, but now it's like all bets are off. There are no buts. I know they pick at seven, 
that's fine. You know, there's there could be a talented guy that could drop. Matter of fact, Mailman Raider hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line and said, hey, Q, I could be mistaken, but wasn't the talk in 2014 that Mac wouldn't make it to us at five? So there's a chance Carter makes it, just a very small chance, LOL. And you're right. I'll say this. The Texans were in such a bad position, such a bad position. And I was still, like I said, in Central Texas, and I was covering the draft, and I kept saying, Mac to me, is better than Clowney because Mac is a better overall uh, uh, player as opposed to just an edge rusher like Clowney is. And I just think that the Texans were in such a bad position. Like, everyone remembers the hit that Clowney put on in the bowl game. How could you pass that up, right? It was almost like a... You're not going to pass that guy up. I felt like they generational. Was, yeah, I felt like there was no way that they couldn't get him because it'd have been like, what are you doing? That's the best guy, you know. I mean, he didn't even try the next year in in college, right? After that hit, I remember he was a sophomore then. After that hit, he was like, oh hell, f it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it on cruise control this year. I'm there be were the- talks of should he sit out his yes, junior season? Exactly, and I don't think he's ever turned it on since. <laughs> I think that was the best hit in his career. I mean, seriously, what has Jadavion Clowney done in the NFL that's made you say, oh, yeah, he was worthy of the number one overall pick? Nothing. Like, he's had a career year. What do you have, like eight sacks one year? Yeah, he's made a couple of Pro Bowls. That's I'll, it. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah, but That's he, it. He's but, been in the league since 2014. He was injured half the first few years in the league. You know, I remember John McClain actually made a joke about him one time. I had to go back and apologize later oh, no. uh, because he had missed a whole lot of time with injuries. And so he was coming off the field when he's come back from practice one day and he refused to talk to the media. And John tweeted out, I guess Clowney thinks he's going to get injured talking to us. And then he was like, all right, my bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like John, John was getting a little edgy that day. But no, I mean, really, Clowney's career, if you look at it, has been a huge underachievement. Think about this dude. He was on the Texans. He was in Seattle. He was uh, where? In uh, Tennessee? For a season. For, uh, that's what I'm saying. He's like a hired hand, and the hiring is not that great. Been in Cleveland now, and now he looks like he's on his way out of Cleveland. Also, there have been some reports in Cleveland, because I love it when you see these little snippets on Twitter, that he didn't like being referred to ro- as Robin when it comes to him being— He sure like- as hell ain't Batman! <laughs> he's lucky if his ass is, is, is talked about like uh, Alfred. He sure ain't no Batman. But for yeah, but for someone to still have that right. perception of themselves, right. when you're playing next to JJ Watt, you were barely a Robin. Right now you're playing next to Miles Garrett, but it's like, hey man, you those Robin comments don't sit right with me. Well, who are you then? Right, you sure ain't Batman, brother. Someone needs to sit him down. I mean, I think it's a little too late at this point. He, he's kind of going to be who he is. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, I know you pulled up his stats, man. Go on and go on and, and, and let me know, man. Year by year, tell me what he's done that's been fantastic. Well, that first year, you know, got to give him a break. Zero sacks, but he only played four games. That's, why? <laughs> why? Why didn't he? Why did only play four games? Injury. Exactly. Okay, and then the next season, turn it up a little bit more. Four point five. How many games? Out of thirteen. Exactly. Out of six. That's a sixteen-game season. Year three. You know, we talk about like, oh, Max Crosby didn't make the All-Pro team. Yep. I need to look and see what was going on in twenty sixteen because he made the second team All-Pro with six sacks, <laughs> fifty-two combined tackles. I mean, I'm not seeing it. Right. No, I remember that year, twenty sixteen, <laughs> because the Raiders lost in the playoffs to to him and the Texans. The Texans had a pretty good defense that year. They had a really good. They were in the playoffs. They they knocked the Raiders out uh, in the first round. So I'll say that they had a good defense, and so he showed up that way. So did he? Did he just get some of the extra JJ Watt love, the fall yeah. off love? Oh of, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, oh, got no, to no, be. No. He got some of the leftovers. Yeah, and then like like, like if I was if I was if Pitbull was my homeboy, 
and he was and he was at a club. He would get the fine girl. I get the ugly one, but the ugly one still looks good because you know. Even so you saying Pitbull's leftover a second yeah. team all pros? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're still all pros. They just ain't they ain't, they ain't first team. They're second team. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep it going? Yeah, yeah. Entertain me. Nine and a half sacks after that the season, and then the next, the following season, twenty eighteen, nine sacks again. But he did make the Pro Bowl, so that's three consecutive Pro Bowls. All right, and now he falls off the cliff. Yep. Goes to Seattle. Yep. Three sacks. Yep. Goes to Tennessee. Zero sacks. Yep. Goes to Cleveland. Nine sacks. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the first this, year, the first year in Cleveland, he was pretty good. Nine sacks that first year in Cleveland, and this year here. Only two recorded sacks. So what you've just told us, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. A total of 43. What he has just told us, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, and I present this to you as evidence that Jadavion Clowney has never lived up to the hype of being the number one overall pick like he was back in 2014. His best performance he ever had was in the college bowl game when he hit the, hit the mess out of that guy and made the helmet pop off is the fact he's never had double-digit sacks in his career. That's what you've just told me. Going through his whole career. He got close. He's never had double-digit sacks in his career. He has never lived up to the hype. How many career sacks does he have? 43? 43. How many does Max Crosby have? About 40 in four seasons? Yes, but I, uh, I pulled up the side-by-side comparison. Khalil Mack, 84 and a half. Right. Well, of course. That's what I'm saying. Khalil Mack has is, is, uh, put up some big-time numbers. But what does Max Crosby have in, like, four seasons? It's got to be around 40-something. He had 12. He had 10 his rookie year. He had 12 and a half. Let's pass. 37 and a half. There you go. Close enough. He's six sacks behind, five and a half sacks behind Clowney. And Clowney's got a, what, a five-year start on him? A five-year head start? His rookie season, he was already better right out of the gate with 10 sacks. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, yeah, that I always thought, going back to Mailman Raider, he got me fired up, obviously. Aaron Donald was in that draft, too. Well, and he, I think he turned out to be pretty stinking good. <laughs> Sir Whiskey Ray say, Q and D, I want the best available defensive player at seven. Please, I want a defensive stud, a blue chip player that will start day one here with the Raiders. That's, again, Sir Whiskey Ray. Uh, got a text from the 925. Are they televising any of the Shrine practices like the Senior Bowl? Uh, maybe. Maybe NFL Network will chime in and check it out a little bit. Uh, I'm not too sure. I will find out, but I'm not 100% sure. But I'll tell you what, you'll have plenty of sights and sounds uh, from us. We'll be all all over it. We'll be all over the Shrine Bowl. Trust and believe they're going to get tired of seeing me at Allegiant Stadium. I will be all over it. We'll bring you those sights and sounds. I might be the only one down there, but I'll make sure I bring it to the table. Better hope they don't get too tired of you. That one guy might not let you in. Hey, man, that was a cold game, man. My man. (laughs) My man, man, what was I there for? I was there at Allegiant Stadium for oh, high school. Yeah, the high school. They were going to announce the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year award recipient. And we set it up with the Raiders where I was going to be there to do the show live. And apparently one of the wires got crossed, which happens sometimes, you know. And so dude was at the, at the gate, and I thought that I was already clear to go. So I just kind of showed him my ID, and he was like, where's your credential? I was like, oh, I didn't have one. I was real cool about it. He's like, oh. Yeah, you need a credential. I said, okay. I said, do you need my season credential? What, what, what is it that you need? No, for this event. And I was like, oh, I don't have one, but let me call the guy that set this up. And he was like, he can't tell me. Like, he got mad, man. Like, I don't know if he's been hustled before. He might have been. It might have been that bit of the case. You know, he might have got hustled at some point, and someone talked their way in, and he was like, on full, you ain't getting past me. I don't care what you have to say. Because I was like, oh, well, let me just call the dude, and, and you know, we'll work it out. He, he, he can't tell me nothing. I was like, uh. And so then I, I, I picked up the tone. Right? I picked up the tone. I was like, oh, okay. 
let me go ahead and make a call anyway. So I went and made a call, and then I was like, look. So anyway, we went back and forth a little bit. He wasn't a big fan of me. I tried to pass the phone to him. He, did, he still didn't want nothing to do with this. So it was cool. No problem. So I said, all right, look, bottom line, it's about 30 minutes before showtime. I'm either going to go in the stadium and do the show, or I'm going to run back to the radio station and do the show. You, you tell me you know, what we're going to do. Because I, I, honestly, at this point, I don't care. I just want to make sure the show's on time. My man looked at me like, I don't care about your show. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go on back to the radio station because you're clearly not hearing this conversation. And uh, then I got a phone call. And anyway, we made it happen. But then when he had to let me in, he was so mad. He was so mad when he let me in because he said, somebody came out to get me, right? And he was like, well, he ain't got no credential. And the guy was like, well, his name should be in the computer. And he goes, well, he gave me his, uh, his, his, his license and it's not. And I was like, yeah, I did. I gave him my ID already. So I thought dude was on the up and up. And then they said, well, can you check again? So he checked again, and my name was right there at the computer. So he was so mad. Like, I did something. He was mad like I did it. I was like, dude, I've been sitting out here with you. Trying to make me look bad. I didn't do it, though. He was really – and I've, I, it's so funny. I've looked for him for a couple times, like, to hope that everything is okay, like, to work things out, because I don't want nobody mad at me. There ain't no reason to be mad at me. You know, it's a misunderstanding. No big deal. I ain't seen him since. You know, you know what the unfortunate thing could be? Huh. What if you so high up that this is like, no, a little, like a movie situation where he don't work there no more? Nah. You upset you. No, nah, no, believe me, I ain't nobody. <laughs> Charles, ain't can nobody. We, Charles, ask Raider, Charles, can ask Raider Fern or Raider Earn. Ask him. I ain't nobody. <laughs> Charles, me. come to the office real quick. No, no, that would not be the case. I, I, believe me, I wouldn't let that be the case. It was, But it was funny. I was just glad that we got on the air on time. That, I mean, it's so funny because like I'm, I want to totally avoid confrontation because the only thing I care about is getting on the show on time. Like The last thing I want to do is call you from the parking lot and be like, well, I'm either on my way back to the radio station or I'm sitting in the car doing the show. Like That's the one place I can't do it from. So <laughs> either kick me out or let me in, one of the two. We've also had to do the situation before. Here's your boy Q. All right, I'm in the car right now. Right. <laughs> And I and that's not and that's not okay. <laughs> that should never happen. <laughs> it's so funny. And you'll meet him when we go to the Super Bowl in Arizona. We will be doing the show live from uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. Matter of fact, the convention center down there in preparation for the Super Bowl. You'll meet David Smoke, who was my boss. You know how many times he used to start the show from his car because he was always on like sales calls and everything. So his show would start at three o'clock. So as soon as our show would come over, would wrap up. He'd have his co-host in the studio with him. And instead of just letting his co-host start the show and he gets there when he gets there, all of a sudden he'd be like, it's you make the call. Here's David Smoke. And all of a sudden, hey, here I am. And he's on his cell phone. And the other, right, and the other two co-hosts are in the studio with him. I was like, hey, dog, you probably could have just let them go ahead and done the show until you got here. Oh, no, Q, I got to start the show. I'm like, all right, I got it. I got it. It happens, man. It's, it's you know, sometimes that happens. 4.38 is time. We'll take a quick break. Come back with some cover three, some NFL news and notes around the league. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's nice to hear that again. Got some little updates around the league. Catch you up to stuff as the day, as the show kind of wraps down. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network reported earlier this morning that Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze and also Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham will head the national team, uh, and Getze will head the American team as far as the Senior Bowl goes. The Senior Bowl confirmed that, and the coordinators that are going to be for the American team will be the Atlanta Falcons quarterback coach Charles London, defensive coordinator, and the Patriots defensive line coach Demarcus Covington. For the national team, which is, of course, led by Patrick Graham, offensive coordinator, New Orleans Saints quarterback coach Ronald Curry, 
former Raider, Ronald Curry, and defensive coordinator, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive backs coach, Grady Brown. So those are just the co- the coordinators, uh, some of the coaches that are going to be involved in the Senior Bowl. And I, just like Eddie Pascal, joined us in the first hour, and half of the audience heard us. Anyone who's listening on the radio, if you were streaming, you didn't hear that conversation. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal for Patrick Graham to be the defensive coordinator or the head coach there at the Senior Bowl just because he's going to get that up close to personal with these guys. And if you remember the last time the Raiders were part of the coaching staff there at the Senior Bowl, they came away with a lot of players. They really did. And I'm not bringing up the guy's name just to bring it up, but, I mean, hell, even Derek Carr participated in the, in the Senior Bowl, and they ended up selecting him as well. I think that the Senior Bowl is a great event where it comes to, like, who's going to be there. Also, like with the Shrine Bowl, mm-hmm. where you see these events, more college players should participate in where it comes to, hey, who's sitting out at the bowl games? Right. But this is where you get that look. Being in front of NFL coaches is a great look and also a programming alert, Jim Nagy. The head of the senior bowl will be joining the show on Friday. Boom. There it is. Hey, look, man. Hey, we don't there ain't no stone we leave unturned around here. We got Mike Martz coming up on the show tomorrow. Right? We got him from the 33rd team, but of course, Coach Mike Martz, he was the engineer behind the greatest show on turf. He actually they put a piece out talking about the five teams that had a lot of work to do in the offseason, and the Raiders were one of them. So Coach Marks will talk about that. Let me think of some other guys we have. We have uh Rod Woodson. Coming up on Friday as well, talking about the Vegas Vipers, who he Woo-hoo! is the the head coach of. That's the XFL team here in Vegas, and of course we'll ask him some some Raider questions as well. But I mean, we got some heavy hitters coming out the going out the, throughout the rest of the week. Bangers, bangers, man! If it was a Super Bowl, I'd put it on the bangers list. It'd make it'd make David Smoke proud. <laughs> That's gonna be a fun week. If you ever thought that I've worked you hard and that you're ever like, man, this guy he he's he's too much for me. Just wait. <laughs> wait till that week. Time. Yeah, brother. You might, man. I know we're going to ride up together, but you might decide to catch a flight home. <laughs> I'm tired of you. I'm tired of them. Like Vegas uh, uh, Vegas Pete said, we're like the odd couple. We really going to be like the odd couple after a week of not only riding up to Arizona <laughs> with me, working with me, but we also staying in the same home. We're going to be all roomed up. Can you imagine this? You. Mm-hmm. Me. JT, <laughs> Steve Cofield, mm. and probably Jared. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what that cluster is going to be like after five days together? Yeah, let's go ahead and get the cameras ready now. That's a reality TV show right there. Man. Uh, ooh, we. Yeah, exactly. How many rooms? Anybody got to share a room? Let's talk about this on air. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We got, it's, 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 a, it's a place for five. Okay. I got the best room. Of course. Jared last time had the couch. JT had, I think, the second best room, but I definitely had the best room last time. I'll have the best room this time. Just saying. Got to take care of me. <laughs> well, how do, you, how do you feel about people eating your food? I mean, is this communal? Are no, we no. Like, we, we we, it's an Airbnb. We, we load up the fridge. We load up. Yeah, we, it's, all, it's all community. Okay. It's one big house. I'm just asking. Yeah, no, My roommates used to call me the leftover bandit. I, I have no <laughs> doubt about that. I know that for a fact. <laughs> There's no doubt. I, there's no food that you can leave around that Demond won't take, you know, and and not in a in, not in a way like he's just taking it, but anytime someone here around the station is like, "Hey, I got this food, you want it?" Demond's like, "Yep." And even when people ask me, "Hey, Q, you want some of this?" I was like, "No," but I bet you if you ask Demond, he'll take it. Hey, Demond, are yep? Like he's always you're about it, you're about it. Leftover bandit, right? Yep. Are you were gonna eat that? Mm, you shouldn't have left it in the refrigerator. How was I supposed to know? Your name was on it too. See, that's that fake voice <laughs> again. That's when you're lying. <laughs> 
Coaching interviews that are lined up right now. The Cardinals, they're interviewing Vance Joseph. That's actually right now their defensive coordinator. And I think that's I think a guy like Vance Joseph, and I don't want to sound like a slight to him, but I think that with the situation with Kyler Murray and the fact that they're not going to have him for, in my opinion, most of the year next year, is probably the way that they're going to end up going. They're going to, I mean, because a lot of people talk about Sean Payton as a Cardinals head coach. I can't see it when you don't have your quarterback. Your quarterback's not going to be there. I can't see Sean Payton taking that job saying, oh, yeah, this is what I want to sign up for. Oh, who's my quarterback? Colt McCoy? Like, I just don't see it. So a guy like Vance Joseph, one, that'll give him a little bit more time, get the team where they need to be, and, oh, by the way, your quarterback's coming back probably most likely in 2024. And some continuity. Right. Where, hey, the players already know him on right. the staff. It won't be a big transition of, hey, we got to learn this, got to learn something new. I'm sure that the players, as we saw with Rich Basaccia last year, I think that the players most times they get behind that interim coach. Where if they could have their say, it would be, hey, let's just keep the guy who's the interim. He's got some head coaching experience before, and I think he deserves a second shot. A lot of guys, when they only have that one shot, what's the, as we're seeing with Josh McDaniels, they deserve a second one. You know, it's not our place to say when and where, but – I don't see why he shouldn't get the job. Right. I'm with you. Uh, one guy who will be working in some capacity in 2023 is Vic Fangio, former uh, Broncos head coach, longtime defensive coordinator in the league. He's had many different interviews already for the defensive coordinator position, but today the Falcons actually interviewed him, and the Eagles, uh, let's see, the Falcons are interviewing him, uh, and uh, the, the Eagles, he was actually their defensive consultant. But, uh, yeah, the Falcons interviewed him for the open defensive coordinator position, but there's been many teams, and he's also been tied to – uh, a Sean Payton you know he could possibly be the defensive coordinator for him depending on where he ends up going Sean Payton's obviously the big name everyone's waiting for that to drop and then after that everyone else will follow in line so I'm interested to see where Sean Payton goes but would not be shocked to see Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator Ted Nguyen he put out a great tweet where it was it was so funny it was like that's more of a recruiting visit for Vic Fangio when it comes to being your DC because you're not going to interview him just to say so how would you improve our defense right the record speaks for itself. Right. He, you should be trying to sell your team that you have the yep. players around him. They, hey, please be our defensive coordinator. Yep. But I would, if I was him, I would wait just to see if you know that you got to take a defensive coordinator position somewhere. Be it with Sean Payton. Absolutely, absolutely. And Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Absolutely. And he waited a long time to be a head coach. It didn't work out in Denver. But the one thing he knows, he knows defense. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Mailman Raider chimed in on our. Don'tBeBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. He said, and this week on The Real World, R&R, who stole Q's backpack this time? (laughs) So if Jared was the black guy with the tan jacket, who are you going to be? The tall white dude? (laughs) (laughs) No, you know who took your bag? It's the tall white guy next to you. Uh, okay. But see, the difference is this is Arizona. Well, (laughs) it's Arizona, yeah, so who knows? It ain't the LAPD. The LAPD had it twisted. They already had the description written out before they took the report. Right? You know, yep. they already had the description written out, basically. All right, here's the description. Now what's the rest of the details? Well, my backpack got stolen. All right, the black guy with the tan jacket stole your back. You know what I mean? Like, it was already filled out. They actually went to the video. Like, that was the most disturbing thing about this whole situation. They went to video and camera and told me straight up, who stole my backpack, and they had him on film, and it was the black guy specifically with the tan jacket. And I said, I don't know a black guy with the tan jacket, but I do know him with the tan jacket, and he's not stealing my backpack. He's helping me look for my backpack. And they said, no, no, it's not him. And I said, okay, can I see the picture? And they said, yes. And I said, now, how does this picture not look like him? It's clearly him. 
Oh, okay. Well, do you want us to arrest him? Right. Like, no, it's my homeboy. He works with me. I'm so mad. I'm still mad about that. And you know they had the nerve? They had the nerve not too long ago, like a month or two ago, to be like, hey, uh, can you come to court and, uh, you know, help us prosecute this guy? And I was like, well, am I going to get my stuff back? Like, no. I was like, well, then no. I'm going to make the trip from Vegas to L.A. For what? To help you out? I ain't get my stuff back. Ask the black guy with the tank jacket to go help persecute him. Prosecute. Whatever the word is. I don't care. At this point, what does it matter? Don't get me on that. Thank you, Mailman Raider, for getting me on that, uh, on that rant. <laughs> How about Nathaniel Hackett? The Jets are interviewing Nathaniel Hackett, the former Broncos head coach, for their offensive coordinator uh, position. That happened today. I'll tell you right now, I think that's a dude that needs to go on and sit it out for a year. Mm-hmm. Right? Go ahead and clean. You know when you clean your name up a little bit by just being out of the light, out of the, out of the spotlight? I don't think because the Jets failed at OC, that should be the guy that they, that they go and turn to. Like, if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, I might want to just go ahead and sit it out for a year. So, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Also, how is he getting jobs to interview for? Because one of the parts that, hey, we didn't know how much he was involved in Green Bay with being the offensive coordinator. You know, never called the plays before. Right. I, it's... He's failing upward multiple times. Right. Or, like, even for him to get an interview, I don't know who some of the hotshot quarterback coaches or offensive coordinators that are laying low a little bit, but come on, man. Nathaniel Hackett, who, who's next? Ty Downing? <laughs> <laughs> now Jets, you're on. Now, look. Jets be better. Wait, hold on now. Hold on now. DeMond was all on the Todd Downing bandwagon early in the season. I was like, dude, do you know who Todd Downing is? And I tried to give you the ins and outs on Todd Downing. He's like, oh, he's fine with us. He's fine with us. It's all good. My man gets drunk on the team plane, ends up getting fired, and now it's like, oh, the hell with Todd Downing, man. You turn on him quick, fast, and hurry. Hey, man, everything was going well till it wasn't. <laughs> That's, if that ain't a cue line, I don't know what it is. Everything was great till it wasn't. <laughs> That's how I ended up with two bay mamas. <laughs> Everything was great. And then it wasn't. <laughs> but, you know. He got to go. And he went. <laughs> I'm so done. I had more information. I really did. I wanted to get to some KJ Wright sound, but I can't do it. I can't just leave you with some KJ Wright sound and just call it a day. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be right because it would definitely be something to discuss. So I'm going to leave it. At that, we'll be back tomorrow with a lot more. We did get a text from uh, Sir Whiskey Ray asking about Tecmo Bowl, and he said, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking about." You know, we're old school when you start talking about Tecmo Bowl, and yeah, you're right about that. We also got a text about Kyler. Kyler's so small he don't scramble from the pocket; he scurry. <laughs> and he said he was yelling at the TV uh, the same thing, like get him when uh, when he was running around week two at Allegiant Stadium. That's funny. Uh, got another text about. Bryce Young, Bryce is a true pocket passer. Dude drops dimes. If there's a Raider, if he's there, Raiders take him in a heartbeat. Size, concerns, and everything. Oh, yeah, for sure. If he's sitting there at number seven, there is absolutely no doubt that the Raiders would uh, go ahead and grab him. But uh, the chances of him being there at number seven, I know that stranger things have happened, but that it ain't going to be that strange. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 5 p.m. right here. Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a great one.